Welcome to Money Conversations with KJ. KJ is a lifelong entrepreneur who's made a lot of money, lost a lot of money, and found his way back again. If you're looking for a sterile how-to, you're in the wrong place. KJ and his guests will walk you through real-life situations told by the people who live them, and they are as messy as they are inspiring. Each episode will offer lessons learned, advice on how to replicate successes and avoid pitfalls, and a new perspective to power your financial literacy. Far from a one-size-fits-all, this podcast can help you build a roadmap to your personal promised land. Milk and honey for some, whiskey and steak for others, and remind you that you're not alone on this journey well hello everybody welcome back to the show i'm your host kj today i got a really i'm so excited that that my guest is on today i haven't spoken with this gentleman been a couple of years um we were we worked together on the road and he understands why i do what i do with this passion of mine of talking about money so uh mr carlos espanol welcome to the show Thank you. Thank you, KJ. So uh, very good to hear from you and uh, very good to be here with you on the show. Awesome. So as we get through your story and and guys, I don't know Carlos's story early on. I know that he understands why I do what I do because he's experienced it, meaning all the him and I together have spoken with just hundreds and hundreds of people, if not thousands, um, and understanding where they are financially, right? Because we used to do that mm-hmm. for a living and we've been all across this country. But we're going to get, I think, um, your perspective on that along with the um, with your journey and hopefully have some inspiring insights to you guys that are out there listening and learn some things. So let's get started by always my first question is, Carlos, how old do you think you were, thinking as far back as you can, when you realized mm-hmm. what money was about and what it was used for? Man, uh, how far back? Um, I want to, you know, obviously by looking at me, KJ, you know that I'm not that old, right? Right. Obviously I look super young, right? Exactly. uh, I could tell you my age, but I I hope that everyone thinks I'm younger. But I would say, man, uh, I think in the high school timeframe, as far as anything that was ever really talked about when it comes to money, um, it always takes me back there a question like that. Um, You know, pretty much maybe a credit card kind of of a scenario, uh, getting one using it for some little things here and there, having that feeling like you have that little bit of freedom with money. All right. And just spending it. Uh, no one always, t- no one ever tells you to, to pay it back. That's one thing I will say. Uh, that's probably what the first issue I ever had in my life when it came to money and my credit was, was a darn credit card that hurt me, but it was high school. It was high school where uh, I was probably introduced to, this is how you can spend money, Carlos. Right. Well, let them, let's go back. Maybe a little further. When would you say mom and dad sat you down and talk to you about money and how money works, how to be responsible with it and what to do with it. I mean, well, how old were you when that conversation happened? I mean, almost as probably as long as I can remember uh, the word save, 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 right. Came up all the time. Hey, don't, don't spend all your money, save it. Don't spend that money, save it. If I made a little bit of money at anything. I mean, 20 bucks from grandma, you know, put it in the bank, save it, save it, save it. I know that those conversations were always there. And as you mentioned, you know, and I'll, I'll only correct you just because there is a, a lot larger number than you say, not just hundreds, but it was definitely thousands, KJ, that you and I had spoken to and met over the years and uh, just listening to their stories and their backgrounds and the same kind of questions, right? When did you first, you know, hear about money? All of that was, you know, I think about the same basis where with a lot of them was take that little bit of money, save it, put it in the bank, don't touch it. 
And, you know, and obviously now uh, I think of it very differently. So and that's a pretty I would call stand based on all the conversations I've had pretty standard answer that parents are teaching kids. Right. Save your money and not really. So are you seeing no real in-depth training with with money, um, talking about the difference between wants and needs, talking about setting goals financially, talking about um, is things I like to teach, which is, you know, learning how to make money while we sleep. You know, Warren Buffett says, until we learn how to make money while we sleep, we'll work until we die. Right. So mom and dad, other than the savings lesson, any other lessons? That was it, man. That was, that was the problem, right? There, there, be, there lies the problem. There was exactly. Other conversations uh, where you can, where money can be used as a tool. Right. Right. I love that phrase money to be used as a tool because that's all it is. Right. And I think that people have a uh, scarcity mentality and they want to hold on to every dime. Some people they make and other people are the opposite. Would you describe your mom or dad? This could be the same or different for each of them. Um, were they spenders or were they savers? Definitely spenders. Okay. And I know there was a part of me that I think just inherently got that from them where there was a time where I just spent, you know, and you just spend money, you make it, it goes right back out the same door uh, as, as you make it. Um, so it was more of the spending, um, you know, kind of get what you want. Uh, if you want to get something of quality, don't worry about the price tag, that kind of thing. Just go for it. Um, the only savings long term that I can definitely tell you I ever heard about was like my parents having a 401k that started coming into light a little bit later as I overheard some conversation, which, you know, was always kind of intriguing a little bit to me. Well, what's that? Because that's the only thing that was out there making you money apparently. Right. Or if you, if it was done a certain way, that's, that's all I can remember them saying. You know, and that's just society that we all are trained to think. Right. Um, and that's the vehicle. And you and I both know now the 401k is not the, it was never really intended if you do your research to be our retirement end goal you know it was one of a three-legged stool and you and i both know because we've seen it firsthand very few people have six figures in a 401k very few mm -hmm. very few um and obviously even if you have a hundred or two hundred thousand in a 401k and you're over the age say 50 that's not going to be enough it's just mm -hmm. not so we really have to learn how to invest on deeper levels but getting back to mom and dad right we talked about so it's funny how we even though they didn't sit down and maybe give you specific life lessons about money, you visually, we all do, right? Watch what mom and, mom and dad do. And that's why I asked that question is if they were spenders or savers, right? And and you said that they were spenders. So that's how I was. Because, you know, when you're seven, eight, nine, ten years old, whatever, and you see whatever mom and dad doing, you just believe that's normal and that's the way we all should do it, right? Uh, but that's why we all get in trouble with money later. But I, again, I don't want to seem like I'm throwing mom and dad under the bus because I always just say mom and dad can't teach what mom and dad don't know. Right. My dad wasn't an auto mechanic. He couldn't teach me how to fix a car. Right. Was that good or bad? No, it wasn't. It was just what is. So it's OK. It's OK if mom and dad didn't teach you. But if you're an adult now and you're listening to this, it's mm -hmm. your responsibility to be proactive and learn these things. And I know you've learned them over years. Right. How old yeah. do you think you were when you reflected and said, you know what? I got to start taking money more serious. How old do you think you were? When I was getting married, uh -huh. uh, I was 30, 30 years, 30 years old. Was I? 30, no, I wasn't 30 years old. I'm lying to you. I'm almost 28. Okay. About 28 years old or so. Uh, when I was uh, thinking about getting married, I just I started to think about that. Right. I was getting very serious with my, with my now wife, Francis. And then money started to come up because to me, 
it was to be the provider at that point, right? It's not just me anymore. And it was, I remember, I still remember those few years transition because I had, at the time I was coming, this is the early 2000s. I was, uh, I had opened up an insurance office uh, for myself out in Fort Myers. So out of our Tampa office, they had a territory open. Let me go over there and do that. And I'm thinking I'm 20 years old at the time, you know, 19, 20 years old. I'm making some money, right? I was making two, three grand a week sometimes. And for, at that time, that was huge, right? Whenever that came up. So I'm just, I'm just going crazy with some money ideas. So I go out there, start that office. And it was a lot of work, but it was a lot of partying because I was single. You know what I mean? You, you made it again. You spent it. Right. And I, I can't say that I had too much to show for it other than a car and a motorcycle. When I came back to Tampa from Fort Myers, I'll tell you that much. But when I came back here and, and met my wife and, you know, the courting process and we went through the dating and everything else, when I started really getting serious, as I knew very early on that this is the, one, the woman for me, I, I really started thinking and reflecting back to when I saw my mom and dad. You know, my dad is the provider. My mom also worked, but there was a time in our lives where my mom didn't work for, for a few years. Uh, this is when we, so I'm from Puerto Rico through New York, uh, New Jersey area, and then down to Florida. I grew up the most in Orlando. And I remember us coming down to Orlando from up there. I was in first grade when I, when I left New Jersey to continue that here. And he had to work three jobs to where my mom could stay home for a few years to where he, you know, my, my, myself and my, uh, my younger sister, we could be raised a little bit and my mom could be there and help us out. I remember that. That's something I didn't want. I didn't want three jobs, uh, to do that. If I, if that's where it was going to come to, you know what I mean? So I found that I found myself a little motivated. Well, let's, let's unpack that. And let's let me unpack that. But Cause you, man, that was a lot of information there that I want people to really, they're either going to relate to or themselves, or it could be a simply, you know, a friend or something. Um, the first one that hits me is, you know, when you moved down and you mentioned dad had to have three jobs, right? And in today's world, a lot of people are having a hard time making ends meet kind of thing. And, and I also, you know, and I say, listen, you've got to do one of a couple of things. You've got to either go get a second job. Your dad had three. Mm-hmm. Or in today's mm-hmm. world, we have the, everybody has a lot more opportunity, in my opinion, because of the Internet um, to get a side hustle going. Right. And I teach yep. the difference between a second job and a side hustle because they are two total different things. Um, mm-hmm. But your dad mm-hmm. did what he had to do. Right? He's got the family. He moved right. him down. There's probably extra expenses. And I want my wife to stay home and, you know, be with the kids and um learn how to, you know, relocate re, uh, yourself. So that in itself, what did that teach you? Did that help you with maybe your work ethic or did that fly over yeah. your head? What did that do for you seeing what dad had to do? At the end of the day, I think that work ethic, it's like the more time you put in, the more money you'll get out. So just work your butt off. You know, you can make it happen if that's what you want. Just got to work your butt off. But, you know, they, you know, when you look back, when I look back, there's only so many hours in the day, you know, and then I then that's when I start to decide, what I want and what I could have if I apply that type of knowledge, that type of training, I guess you could say when the things that I saw as a kid. And I also didn't want that because again, it was just my mom. My dad was working three jobs. I mean, literally he was gone. Right. Uh, it's almost hard to, to fathom. Even now I think to myself to, to three different jobs to where you can clock in, clock out and simultaneously walk right over to the next job clock back in there it's like when do you really have time to hang out go to school with your kid right them up drop them off let alone see them yeah and, and that's where I, a big decision for me was which path that i want and is the information that i have now can i apply that to get that result and that's where there was a big turmoil there was a little bit of problem figuring that out so 
your answer of, you know, how old were you when you started really thinking about money and you were like when you're getting married just before 30. And for a lot of you guys that listen to me regular, you know that that's the age. It's plus or minus a year that most people look reflect, right? Because if you're 28 to 30, you've been making money now seven, eight, 10 years, right? And, and in your case, you're saying like, I'm making good money and I'm spending it. And, and the reason that mm-hmm. people in their 18 to 25s just make as much as they can and spend as much as they can because no one ever taught them about money. And then you reflect mm-hmm. and you're like, holy crap, I, I, all right, I'm now it's not about me. You were getting married. But even folks who mm-hmm. don't get married at that edge, age reflect like, wait a minute. I, I mean, I can't just keep doing this forever. I don't have any money saved. And over 10 years, I've made plenty of money. Something's got to give yeah. something. I have to learn something. So my question is, you did that early. You didn't actually have like most, like 95% of people didn't actually have good, solid money trainings early from mom and dad. But maybe you tell me, did mom and dad, as they started to see you make the kind of money, the thousand to 3000 a week, did you sit down and start having conversations with them and or maybe a mentor? Who did you talk to about money or anybody? Golly, I'll tell you, I, I didn't. I really didn't at the time. Um, and I kind of say that you know, even now as I was unfolding this, unpacking this and kind of talking to you with those questions. It's interesting how I was trying to be responsible with money. Yet when I finally would make some more money. I'm quickly looking as to how can I spend this money, right? To have fun and to enjoy, to have more stuff, basically, whether it's an experience or stuff. And again, a big conflict there. Uh, but it wasn't until I actually, you know, a little several years before I met you, where I did. That's I think the biggest change in my life, where I was getting my jobs, I was getting a little more successful. I get a car, right? Then my wife and I we move in together right before we got married. And she got a car. Then we got the dog. Then we got married. I mean, we, this is coming out to this amazing, you know, idea of what I was going to have life, but still, as we made it, we spent it. And as much as I wanted, it felt good to have those money conversations with my wife about, Hey, let's have that budget. Let's save some money. Let's, you know, put a little bit more in the 401k. Let's, that is, let's have this, let's buy a house, all that kind of stuff. It was, it's something that eluded me. Because at the end of the day, and I can tell you exactly, it was around $3,200 after I don't know how many years that I actually had in my 401k. I remember this because I pulled it out because I wanted to utilize it for some stuff at my house. And I was like, oh, it's not that much money. Let me just pull it out. But after, I don't know, six, seven years, I had $3,200 to, to show for my saving right? My, let me work with money and kind of thing. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was a difficult thing, but when I got to, uh, actually after I bought my house, I had a neighbor, uh, his name is Nathan Rossi. I don't know if you know him, but he, uh, he introduced me to the idea of money. He started talking to me about money, investing in these words that are not something that I use in my vocabulary much, but you know, it was cool to talk about. And he invited me out to, to some events and, you know, basically that's where it took off. I invested in myself, I did get a mentor and I learned a thing or two. And I, I'll tell you right now that even that transition there as well was, was amazing because I remember I pulled $5,000 on a personal loan because I had no money to go do the investing in the startup that I wanted to, to get this mentor. I spent five grand. I literally took out a, a, a personal loan, 6% uh, from U- USF federal credit. I'll never forget it. Everyone thought I was crazy. All my friends and family are like, dude, that's pretty risky. That's five grand. Like, are you nuts? I did it. And I learned a lot. Uh, you know, I made the money back. 
you know, I, I, you know, I don't want to go too far left field. I definitely made the money back, but everything from that point forward has changed because of people challenging me and asking me these questions and showing me what they've done, you know, through their failures, through their successes on the things that I can do better. I love that. I love that. Here's what I really love. So again, for you guys that are listening and your in your life path is very similar to Carlos here. So many people, our paths are so similar, make money, spend money. I don't want experience. I want things. And somewhere along the line in our lives, you're right. There's a pivot point. And it sounds like you were living where you're living and your neighbor, here's your pivot point, right? You meet your neighbor who's a money person and start having money conversations, right? And so for you guys out there, like we never know what tomorrow brings. We never know the conversation we're going to have tomorrow. Right. And I always ask people, especially if you're following me and you're listening, you know, I want you to have money conversations with as many people as you can, because the more money conversations you have, the more you're going to learn. Right. And we always, we all know that, listen, I want to learn from other people's mistakes. Right. We know that that's a given. Um, so the fact that you met that person, he basically opened your eyes to sort of say, right, like, wow, I need to start going this direction with money. But let me back up a minute, because you also mentioned that you and your wife started sitting down early when you got married about money. Did you and your wife talk about money prior to actually getting married? And then when your wife came in the picture, now you're a team, right? How much did she bring to the table with money knowledge? Well, it was, uh, you know, what do you do when you grow up two nickels together, right? You know, it's uh, you're literally one and the other. One plus one equals two is two people with the exact same conversations and ideas about how to raise money or how to, excuse me, how to have money uh, and how to treat it. So there was, it wasn't much better. Uh, there was just more money coming in and then there was double the money coming out, right? So it's, it, 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 it didn't add too much. Um, and it's really, again, I, I have to say this, that one of the things that I know you have heard this before when we were on the road, but, you know, being around the, the right people, uh, certain people that, not, that that are trying to help you grow and bring and add value to your conversation uh, is so important. Um, and I'll go back to meeting my friend, right, Nathan, uh, meeting my buddy here in this neighborhood. I was just introduced to a different side of things through someone that I knew, right? Uh, call it part of my network at that point. Um, you know, I met you. Let's right go through so many rungs there of that ladder. But let's just say when you and I met, when would I have ever met you? Uh, you know, KJ, you out of Las Vegas. I'm over here in Tampa, Florida. When would we have ever met and had conversations about money? When would that ever have happened if I didn't that all those degrees? You know, I met all those different people and got to you because it just it, it doesn't just happen. Right. Uh, I think that's the, one of the biggest things when it comes to money is not just talking about money and learning about money, but it's also putting yourself in, in and around people that know about money like yourself, right? That talk about money, that has, have done well with money, have done terrible with money, lost it, earned it again, all that kind of stuff. You learn, you learn, and it becomes part of you because it's part of your circle. It's part of your friend's circle. That's when usually you're most interested in stuff. That's why I didn't go after money and mentors and people that to teach me or to invest in that kind of stuff because that wasn't in my mindset. Uh, it was never in any of the groups of people that I knew. Nobody ever had a conversation like that. It was just like, hey, when are we going to Jackson's Friday night, man? What time are we going to meet? Right. You know, let's go spend some money on drinks or whatever. But getting around people I know is probably the biggest thing uh, that has ever, the biggest thing that's ever happened to me that most that where most of my success has come from is meeting the right people and just growing with them 
moving on to the next groups and just continually to to network up. Yeah, keep growing. We all need. I think you know. I've talked to um, people older than I am, and you know, I'm getting up there. But um, we always have to be growing, right? On every level, right? Mm-hmm. Always be learning, no matter on every level of learning. Um, when you're talking about networking with the right people, you know, there's phrases. You are the five people you hang with, so be careful who you're hanging with, right? Um, mm-hmm. And if you don't be the smartest person in the room, or you're in the wrong room. Um, Right. But as we were out there and I'm thinking your story going through there, learning these lessons, how how often have you found yourself, let's say, in the last 10 years of having actual money conversations and, and how comfortable are you to have money conversations with people? I mean, I should say, I think almost I, I want to measure it in a sense that if I'm more uncomfortable than I was before in that conversation, I'm doing the right thing because that just means I'm having a little bit bigger conversation and things that maybe I'm not comfortable with, I don't know, and I'm obviously learning something. Uh, so again, not be the smartest in the room, right? Um, you know, I, I've had the opportunity to meet so many amazing people at this point, you know, yourself, uh, some of the folks that we met on the road, great investors, uh, sports figures, you know, guys that I never would have met if it wasn't me putting myself in an uncomfortable position meeting somebody new or having conversations that I'm kind of uncomfortable with, but Hey, you know what? It is what it is. Let's learn. Cause these guys kind of hold my hand or I'm going to be a great copycat. Uh, and I push myself that way. And, and yeah, the, the more uncomfortable, I guess I could be, I ask a lot of those questions. I like, I, I ask the questions I could ask the questions and whether I'm uncomfortable or not, so be it. I'm learning something, you know, and that's where I, I want to be. It's a space I want to be in is, is discomfort. I, and I think that's why most people don't have money conversations because it does make them uncomfortable. But here's what I found why people aren't comfortable, right? We got to understand why. Um, because there's a lot of things we do in life that aren't comfortable, right? And, you know, the term, hey, get comfortable being uncomfortable if you want to, you know, progress. So I find that people are uncomfortable because you either have money or you don't have money. And mm-hmm. you're uncomfortable talking about it when you have money, most people, not all. Uh, because you're afraid people are going to borrow, want to ask to borrow money, right? If people find out, hey, you've got, what do you mean you got $4 million, right? I didn't know that, dude. I thought you were just a regular dude. Dude, can I borrow 10 grand, right? And and then you feel uncomfortable. And then on the other side of the coin, if you don't have money and you're a age of 30 plus kind of thing, you're a little embarrassed. Like, I should have money. I've been working 10, 15 years, 20 years. I don't have money and, and people are embarrassed. And then that's why they don't want to talk about money. And I say, it's okay either way. It's okay either way, but either way, people with money can still learn from people who don't have money because you have experiences, right, that we can learn from to understand why you don't have money. Um, And that's why I just encourage people to have money conversations and learn things on both sides of the coin. It can't all be good. We we have to learn about the bad. It's like failing, right? Failure is not failure unless you don't learn something, right? So fail forward. And if you talk to people who haven't made money, well, why would you do and learn some lessons? I think I believe. So let me let me uh, ask, turn the page here for a minute. And you had mentioned early about I think you were saying you're in 21 or something and you learned about credit cards. So mm-hmm. who introduced you to credit cards? And, and, and I know you know all about them today, but can you remember yeah. in the beginning when you first got your your first credit card or two or three or however many you had? What was your mindset around them? Because, you know, people today, you hear the term credit cards are bad. And I always like to say, hey, credit cards, a piece of plastic. There's plastic's not bad, right? It's what you do with Mm -hmm. it, being responsible. So talk to us about your journey with credit cards. 
Sure. Um, man, great question. Like, uh, it was just something that I could use to spend and spend money and have more things. Um, I got a, I, the way I'd say it is that I got a lot of trouble in college with a credit card, buying a lot of beer and subway, but nobody told me about paying it back or, or, or structuring it to where, how I could pay it back with very little income, right? You know, college student got some odd jobs here and there work study, whatever it is, but no one talks about a lot about paying it back. They might mention it. Hey, don't forget, you got to pay it back. But the feeling of I've got money now because I can spend it, you know, you, you, Oh, I want to get that. Oh, I'll just pay it like this and I'll pay it later. Mm -hmm. That's the way that it was. Um, and it was just one card. I got in trouble. I destroyed my credit score. I remember having to fix that having to go through the process, having to get a, a secured credit card, all kinds of things to get back to a point when now that I started to learn a little bit about money later, I was like, Oh crap, I, I can use that credit score. I can use that credit score to leverage for more money, right? For things that are actually going to make the money to pay off everything else, right? A complete big turnaround thing. But yeah, when it came to credit cards, again, no training, very little training. There's just money sitting behind this card and it's a mystery what goes on, but Hey, it felt great being able to go and say, Hey, I'm hungry. Let me go grab, like, grab that $5 foot long or, you know, grab a couple of beers at the, at the bar, but turn around. That must've been about $5,000, $4,000 change. I remember that uh that I look back and says, oh man, <laughs> whoops, what am I supposed to do now? Because I sure as heck don't have that money, right? And that's where and I lost it. I just I messed up everything back then. I remember that. I'll never forget that lesson. But you know, there's so many people in that boat. I mean, do you remember having conversations with some of your peers back in the day? Like, dude, man, my credit card's maxed out. I can't pay for the beer tonight, and I don't even know how I'm gonna pay this back. I mean, do you have you remember having conversations with some of your buddies back then like that? Oh, I literally used to dig in the drawers to get as many coins and things as possible to see how much we can get to get together to get a six pack. Oh yeah, absolutely. Totally remember those conversations. Yeah. You know, and again, there's people like a Dave Ramsey or Susie Orman who are hundred percent against credit cards. And again, I go back to once you learn how to leverage credit cards for what they're really meant to be leveraged for, you're not going to get yourself in trouble. And then like, I'm sure you're responsible with them today because you learned your lesson, mm -hmm. right? You already went through yeah. that. And, and like almost most lessons in life, once you kind of screw it up once, you're like, well, I'm not going to do that again. You know, we teach, we teach our two-year-olds, don't put your hand over that flame because you're going to get yourself burned. Yeah. And what does a two-year-old right. do? Well, that looks pretty. Let me put my hand over that. And, and yeah. then they scream. They're like, holy shit, I can't do that again. And so, I mean, that's the same thing with so many things in life, but with money, people learn money lessons the hard way, right? You have to like, yeah. you have to hurt yourself with money before you recognize I can't do that again. Um, you have kids. How old are your kids now? I've got one. His name is Logan. He is seven years old. That's an awesome age. Just started school, came back to school. Oh, yeah. Have oh, you yeah. sat down and had money conversations with him yet? Indirect way. Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, it's, it, again, you ask me questions about when I remember things when I was a kid mm -hmm. and, and, you know, when's the first time I remember about money conversations with mom and dad. And I can't say that I've had certain types of money conversations that serious. I mean, he's seven, right. But I can, I hear things that he says and watch him do certain things. I'll watch him spend money from, you know, mom and dad and grandma, grandpa, whoever they give him a car, like a Disney card or something like that to go spend. Hey, have at it. Right. And it's just interesting to hear and see him do things with it, right? Where I could easily kind of correct it and kind of a little course correction and just kind of give a couple, I guess, a little influence the right in the right way. And even at seven, though, I will say that it's interesting to see him apply some of this indirect, 
you know, in this indirect training, I, I don't know if you want to call it that, but this indirect influence on the way that he would spend some money, even as a seven-year-old, what he says when he's spending it somewhere where he actually will like second guess spending it. And he'll say certain things like, you know what, if I put this one and the next one together, I'll be able to get this instead, you know, and, and I'll, it's really amazing to see that. So indirectly, yeah, we do have some conversations with him on that. I a hundred percent love that. And you guys listening out there, if you got kids between five and 10 years old, this, you just proved kids are watching us. Okay. Everything Always. you just described, I'm sure it's just him watching mom and dad mm-hmm. and we're emulating, right? Good, bad, and different. And it's really important. You know, now how, how much we can influence our kids without directly influencing because they're just watching and how important it is now. If you, you know, I want you to just, when we finish this call and you retrospect, maybe I should sit down with him and have a serious conversation now because mindsets get set, right? Belief systems get set really early in life. And I've talked about this many times. I believe it's between the ages of five and seven that these are our personalities who we're going to be, or we're going to be a spender. Are we going to be a saver, right? Was mom and dad both spenders? Were they both savers? Are they one and one? I've had conversations with people like mom, mom, mom was a saver, dad's a spender, right? Which direction do I go? Right. They're being pulled which direction. And so for you guys that are out there, man, it's vital because if you don't, right, if you don't, the mindset is already getting set. The way they're going to think and act with their money is already in play. Right. You mentioned you gave the example. Hey, I got two cards. If I put them together, it's this number and this number equals that toy. And I want that yep. thing. You know what I mean? Yep. And if I wait a little longer, I'm, I'll get yeah. a little more. Yeah. Or whatever. And then I'm going to get something even different. And he kind of he weighs that out. It's not to get it just to get it. And of course, I want my seven year old to be a seven year old. Right. You know, so I'm, I'm certainly not uh, watching him spending his money and making sure that I'm you know, dictating exactly how he does it and what he should and should do. It is very indirect. And even, you know, one thing I will say is I feel like in this time of COVID where a lot of people have been working from home, I've been working from home for years, right? As we do investments and different things, we work from our houses. Um, I've taken advantage of that. One thing that I'll tell you is that I find it very effective because they are listening, just like you said, to be around him, right? While I'm working, while I'm having conversations with people, while I'm doing deals, while I'm doing things, because they listen. And their comprehension is off the charts. Children are so much smarter than people would give them credit for. hundred percent. They'll figure that out. They'll figure it out. And they, they hear you and they'll apply it later. And later on, when they're faced with some of these questions and challenges and things that maybe their jobs, they're going to treat it differently because of it. Yeah. I mean, think about, again, what you did was normal at, at 21 years old with getting in trouble with your credit card. Do you think had you had deeper conversations with mom or dad at 10, 12, 15, that you wouldn't have got yourself and understood that credit card means I can use this mainly emergencies or I know I can pay this back on my next paycheck kind of thing. Do you think you would have treated it a lot differently? Very a hundred percent. It would have been a different conversation. Yeah, for sure. I wish, I wish those did happen. Right. Right. Uh, if you can only go back in time, right. right. And just change a couple of things that really would have made me the difference. I think. I know, but this conversation, think about it. There's people out there listening. I mean, I got listeners all over the world and they're listening and they may have that seven or eight or 10 or 15 year old. Like I got to sit down and have this conversation. I don't want my child at 2021 getting caught in what 95% of people that are 2021 do and just repeating the cycle, right? Because I talk about tradition and, and one of my one of my modules I teach is tradition and what we've all been taught for years and years, right? And if we've got to change, we must change our money habits within our family, right? 
if mm-hmm. I, I've talked to too many people where generationally nobody's getting wealthy. Nobody, right? They're all just trading time for money, getting along, having their couple of laughs, buying a car, whatever, but never really getting ahead. So I just think having these conversations to break the chain traditionally in a family of like, oh, no, Carlos is doing a lot better than like, let's say your siblings or cousins or something you spend a lot of time with because he's learned about money. Right. He knows now how to actually not just make money. Making money is the easy part. It's what we do with it after. You know that now that it's what we do after we make the money. So I don't care what you do making money. Right. Whether you're trading time Mm -hmm. for it, value, whatever you do. That's not the important part. The important, the most important part is what we do afterwards. That really helps us. Um, Yeah. Talk to me about at what age do you think, I know you're a goal setter now, but when did goals really come into play for you? Right. Because without setting goals and having a clear written path to whatever these goals are, right. Whether they're money goals or uh, any type of goal in life, when did you find yourself taking goals seriously and then actually writing them down and, you know, trying to follow them? Yeah, I think the days that I started to realize uh, how important that was were were the days that I started realizing that I didn't get to any of the goals that you wanted, right? And you look back and you say, well, why not? There's got to be a better way, right? There's just got to be something different, which again, you question yourself, but do you really have the answer to that? Because you don't have the answer to that, you sweep it under the rug and you just keep on making the same stupid mistakes over and over and over again. But when I was taught how you can not only create that goal, right? Write them down, have a purposeful, you know, meaningful goals that you really want to reach these attainable goals. Yes. There's, there's, there's point A, now you have point B, but there's all the space in between. How do you get there? How do you reverse engineer that? How do you get an action plan, something that you can apply to get to those goals? Huge. You know, like the trainings that you talk about, you know, yes, you gotta have those written goals and then you gotta find the way and, and work the way all the way up there. But set a date, right? Attainable, make sure that there's a date on them. When do you want to get it done? Because Again, it's frustrating when you really think about it, but people don't ever want to think about it because it hurts and they sweep it under the rug, right? It's internal and they can just turn away from it right away in their own minds, right? It's not like they're doing it in front of a class right. where everyone else will ridicule them for for their for their mistake. But they just, you know, if you're not reaching them, there's a reason. Fill in the blank, right? Find that, find what that is and, and figure it out. It's just the, the best thing that you can for yourself because if not you'll just continue making the same mistakes well it goes back to what you talked earlier about being uncomfortable right sometimes the path towards your goal can be uncomfortable to do um a lot of it most of the time a lot of it is with self-discipline and and self-discipline easy said you know hard to do um, to create these habits right whether they're you know saving habits correctly setting the goals correct these are all just habits that we should have um but you know, because I know you well enough now that, yeah, setting goals will get you to where you want to be in anything in life. But especially with money, um, we've heard the phrase. What do you think about the phrase money can't make you happy? Because, <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, well, gosh, I, I've so many different things about that. But, yeah, money, money can get you sad, too. I'll tell you that much. Playing with the money the, money the wrong way it really gets you real sad. But, yeah, money, not money won't always give you happiness. That's for sure. Right. You know, that's a great one. I don't think I've heard that one in a while that, you know, because people are like, well, money can't make you happy. And and I disagree with that. But, yeah, money can definitely make you sad. You're right. Money can make you sad when you lose it. Right. Yeah. Depending on how you lose it and lots of ways of losing money, just like lots of ways of making money. But, yeah. Right. If we're all looking for happiness at some level. Um, yeah. Let's not make ourselves miserable because we did the wrong things with money. Like you said yeah. there, um, that could definitely definitely make you sad um yeah. there's always there's 
It's always a backup plan too, you know? Um, and I deal with it in my business as a realtor. Also I'm an investor and a realtor, uh, but as a realtor, that's where I have a lot of conversations, especially these days with the way markets go up and down. Uh, they always want, you know, I don't want to mess up by buying this now or the wrong time and everything else. But again, just because some, just because you make money or you have a sense of losing money, there's always that backup plan. There's a plan A, plan B, plan C. It's how you tackle things. I think at the end of the day, again, with training, with information, that's where you can, you know, you may not hit that, that goal 100%, but heck, got there 90% of the way. And that's because you figured out how to navigate. At the end of the day, we're all professional problem solvers, right? All yep. there is in life is problems that arise. You, whoever is better at figuring these problems out as they come, it's going to be who's going to win, right? Right. And then there's quitters in between, right? And then those are that just keep figuring out, like a lot of things. I think I heard someone once uh, call it uh, being a firefighter, right? And you're just putting out fires yep. all the time. And that's, that's what it is. You just deal with it and you figure it out. But that, those who get the training and talk to the right people, they're, they're going to know how to put out those fires better. Well, you mentioned earlier how you, and I love the term you use, I, I took out that loan for five grand and I invested in myself. You know, not a lot of people will do that for whatever reason. I don't know why. Um, that they won't do that. They won't take that leap of faith that let me, I mean, you took a huge leap of faith because you took a loan out to go, you know, get that learning and other people may have had the money in your case, let's say you had the five grand. They're like, well, I worked really hard. It took me 18 months to save five grand all of a sudden to take a leap of faith for a training to take me to the next level kind of thing. Um, was that easy for you to do? Was that an easy decision to take that loan out? It was insanity. It was absolute insanity. It, w- it went against every fiber of my being to do that, right? Uh, my wife was like, huh? Well, you know, to be 100% honest, she didn't know 100% what I was doing. But right. to be fair, um, everybody, though, that did know later on, uh, my parents, my friends, everyone questioned it. They're like, brother, like, what are you thinking? That's five grand, Right. Uh, a lot of them go at that cost. Right. They focus on that as opposed to what the return would be or what I was getting in return for, which to me, the return was amazing. It was a lot of training, a lot of opportunity and a lot of success down the road. But, yeah, that was very. It's very funny how the mindset of other mind. people. Right. Um, without a better lack of word, they were judging you of doing that. Right. But listen, they wouldn't have judged you if you said I'm spending five grand because I'm going back to school to learn X, Y, Z. They'd have been like, yeah. okay, that's cool. You're going to go back to school, learn X, Y, Z, right? Whatever that it may have been. Everybody would have been fine with it. Yeah. But because it wasn't something that traditionally we all understand, it's okay to invest yourself if you're going to go to college, which costs a lot of money these yeah. days, that it's not okay to invest in yourself by a mentorship of some type. You know what I mean? That just, to me, doesn't make sense. But like you said, it was it was definitely a leap of faith, even in your own eyes. It was like, this is crazy, but I'm jumping. I'm going I would in have been cheered and revered. If I would have put down five grand on a new car, guarantee you that. Right. <laughs> right. But they, they all, they all balked at me when they said, what did you get into? You know, that's, it was, it's a different thing. It's just a different mindset. Um, and, and I, and I'll be honest, this is one thing that I remember we talked a lot about this on the road. Mm-hmm. When people say that they want to do that, right. Do something like that, invest in themselves, get training because they understand and start to see that this is what's going to be good for them. But yet you have the naysayers and again, the friends, the family, those people that just don't know are telling them not to do it. And I'll, and I'll say this because I had people like that all the time saying the same thing. Don't do that. Don't do that about something they obviously don't understand or do. And that's because they, I mean, they love you, right? They're your parents they're your friends. They, they care for you at, at a certain level. And because this is all that they know, they're only trying to help you. Right. But that's the problem there is that 
people fall back into saying that's okay. Then I'll, I'll just, because they love me, they care for me. I'm going to walk the other way. No, you got to push forward because they can only teach you as their, their education level, right? Wherever they are at the moment, it's as far as they can really take you. Right. Uh, there's a book from 21 laws of irrefutable leadership by John C. Maxwell. I'm sure you've read yep. it. Yep. Uh, the very first law is the law of the lid. Yes. Right. Their lid, those people that tell you not to do it or, Hey, do it this way or whatever. They're only limited by the, the lid that they've set to themselves. I myself just wanted to take my lid that much higher, right. To understand things that I don't understand now. Uh, but I will say that is it's a credit for the folks that have, did say no to me. I smile at them and say, I appreciate you, but I'm just doing this because I know for a fact, you know, I've got the training, I've got the information, I've got the, the network that tells me that this is the right move. I'm doing this. Uh, but I appreciate those that tell me, no, you know, because they're just trying to protect you. They can't do much else other than try because their education level is limited. I think for you guys out there listening, that that's such an awesome lesson to, I mean, listen to this thing again and listen to this part of this conversation where again, too many people are influenced by people that really, I mean, don't let somebody else make your life decisions. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Get out there and you, you, I'm sure you just felt it in your gut and your heart. This is the right thing for me, for me, mm-hmm. right? It may not have been the right thing for the naysayers and that's fine. This right. isn't for you. You know what I mean? But I want to go to, I want to learn these things that this investment that I'm getting ready to make in myself is for me. And so when you guys are out there living life, doing your things, and I always say, listen, I think for all of us, opportunity happens on a daily basis. Every day, if we really think about the places we go, people we talk to, there could be an opportunity there. You know what I mean? And you get one, you got to recognize it. Two, you got to open the door. And three, you got to walk through. You know what I mean? Right. Somehow that opportunity came up for you. You thought about it for however long. It doesn't matter two minutes or three weeks. I don't care. And you said, you know what? This is for me. I'm going to go do this. And so for you guys out there, you just heard Carlos. And obviously it worked out for the positive in your life. Yes, sir. But does that happen every time for everybody? No, no, no. But oftentimes the reason it doesn't work out and you know this, oftentimes the reason it doesn't work out, guys, is because you didn't put in the effort. I'm sure whatever Carlos learned at that for that investment, he he felt you know what? This is a lot of money. And I look, I borrowed the money. I'm going to be doing the work that they're teaching me. And I think right. the people who don't, who don't actually take action and, and, you know, they'll, they get all, I call it the, the shiny syndrome object. Oh, this is cool. I want to do this. And they'll, and they'll yeah. spend the money and then they don't do nothing. And then they'll, yeah. you know, maybe they'll bad mouth, whatever they might've just invested in or whatever. I'm like, no, no, it was all on you. It was all on you. And then that's a learning lesson though. Like, all right. The next time opportunity comes, it's going to cost you money. Like last time I lost money because I didn't do anything this time, this time, because I think people always want to inherently do better in life on any level, whether you're single, married, kids, no kids. I just you just want to do better because you want to uh, experience and have more things in life. Um, great lesson. I hope you guys really paid attention to that one. Let's talk about how old do you think you were when you when you really started to think about retirement and then take retirement, you know, seriously, how old do you think you were? Yeah. Retirement, huh? Well, I remember the first time the word retirement was thrown in my face and I actually had to think about it was uh, at the HR department, my first real job where they hand me the pamphlet that talked about put money away, say, 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 put your 401k, this is your retirement, which again, you mentioned it's not the case, but um, that's probably the first time uh, that I ever ever talked to anybody about uh, retirement. So your early twenties, then early twenties. Oh yeah, 
Yeah, right, right there. My uh, early, I wouldn't say actually, I was twenty. My first job, media general uh, in print media, uh, same place I met my wife. That was the that was the first time that they they put that pamphlet in front of me, and I talked about retirement. I was twenty two years old. And do you remember? Because most people, most twenty year olds, I'll talk to are uh, up to whatever age. They don't really start taking retirement seriously. How old do you think when you're like, you know, I got to take this retirement thing a little more serious? Oh, man, when you do math, when you start adding things up and you're like, that's like an impossible thing to get to. If it's if I don't if I don't start 20 years ago, basically. Right. When's the best time to to plant a tree? Right. Well, 30 years ago. Uh, And now you find yourself whatever age you are and you're 20 or 30 or 50 or 60. You're like, okay, it's just math. What do I need? And that's when most people uh, either, again, sweep it under the rug because they don't want to deal with it. It's uncomfortable for them. Or they face it and say, well, damn, man, you know, this is here's the map. This is what I'm going to have to do. I'm going to get super aggressive. I'm going to get a little aggressive, uh, do something slow, do something fast. And she, you know, hopefully seek out the people that that can help you out in that type of training. Um, but, yeah, that's it's uh, it, it's not it's not easy. It's not an easy uh, conversation with yourself. Uh, to do that, that's for sure. And, and I like that, guys. It is a conversation with yourself. Even if you're married, you got kids. The conversation is with yourself because it's with yourself. Mm-hmm. If you're married with kids, because you feel as a man, we all feel responsible, right? I'm, mm-hmm. I'm the head of household. I've got to figure out this retirement for my family, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I teach again. My one of the modules in my course, I teach the rule of seventy-two compounding, right? And 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 once you truly understand how compounding works, you'll understand. Damn, I should have started that at 20. Oh, man, now I'm 47. I'm like, why am I? I lost 25 years, yeah. 27 years of compounding money. And the, our biggest asset in life is time, right? I'm, I'm 60. I can't be 27 again. I wish I could, but I can't. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. so it's so important that we think about retirement. But on the other flip side of that retirement, like I personally hate that word because society has given a stigma to it. Right. If I ask you the question, like I ask so many people, what age is retirement? What would you tell me? Everyone says 65. But why do you think they tell us 65? Mathematically, it probably works out for them. (laughs) They tell us 65. Most people answer the 65 because that's when we can get Social Security. And they figure, well, once the government's ready to pay me, then then that's retirement. Retirement. And and again, I hate that word because I'm like, wait a minute. What about people like a Mark Zuckerberg who invented Facebook in his early 20s and became a billionaire before the age of 30? What he could retire, but did he? Long time ago. But yeah. but no, but he followed a passion. It's not about money, right? It's about following a passion. And and so I like to teach people that don't strive for retirement, right? Cuz that's a false sense. You'll get there and you'll be like, "Holy shit, this not what I thought." Strive for yeah. for strive for financial independence. That's the goal. Yeah. Financial independence. When your money makes enough money to supply your lifestyle, you're That's you're right. you're going to sleep like a baby every night. You'll be as happy as you can be. So I think, and there's no age, so there's no right or wrong answer. You could be financially, you know, free, have financial um, independence at 20, 25, 50, 70, whatever age, it doesn't really matter. It's whatever is good for you. And I think that society has programmed most people to do what? Go trade time for money for 40 years, mm-hmm. try to get, you know, the little golden bear parachute at the end or what have you. But you and I both know yeah. we've sat with way too many people. That's just not, that doesn't happen. It happens for That's very, right. very few That's people. Right. Um, you can go to, you gotta be pretty smart, go to school and become a CEO of some b- big, large company, you know, and yeah. get your, 
million dollar annual bonuses. At that point, there's a challenge there because sometimes you gotta you gotta schedule a very special time to be on on money conversations with KJ at that point because you're too busy. You can't just say, you know what, I'm gonna stop in the middle of my day and have these kind of conversations, right? And jump on a podcast or or do whatever. Uh, You know, I'm again, I'm 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 forty I'm forty one years old now, right? And you know, I'm not a I don't have. $20 $20 million just sitting in every bank account that I, that I have. Right. That's I don't think that's not the point, uh, which goes to the same thing. What is retirement for somebody? Because maybe when someone hits that age of 65 or whatever it is, they might not have millions and millions of dollars, but they might have all the time in the world, enough money to take care of everything that needs to be taken care of. They have investments that are paying for all their, their, um, uh, their expenses and everything else, all their liabilities. And they're living better than anybody else. Right. They're living better than the person who's got a hundred million dollar, you know, fund over here. Uh, Everyone's got to figure out what that is for themselves. But learning about money and how it can work for you will put you in a position where you can you can make the decision. Right. Right. Not somebody else. Back to that phrase. Money can't make you happy. I often say I've just heard it too many times. Wealthy people will always tell you. That's wrong. Money can make you happy. Right. I love that you said money can't make you sad also. But money can because money gives us options, period. Right. We just have a lot more options in life when the more money that you're going to have. And hopefully you just become philanthropic later in life. You have enough money. Like, let me just I need to help other people. Right. And start helping and, and just giving money away. You know, Warren Buffett, you know, uh, gave his money away once already and probably made it back twofold or fivefold by now. Exactly. Right. When he gave it away yeah. uh, to Bill Gates. But um Again, you can't, no one can ever take the knowledge from you. They can take your money. They can take your possessions. They can't take your knowledge. And we've heard that story of, hey, take it from me. And, you know, the millionaire will be a millionaire in 12 months because he knows how. Right. We can't take our knowledge. Well, let me finish up on the last question that I like to ask most people. You just said you're 41 years old. 20 years ago, you were 21. Reflecting now. What would 41-year-old Carlos go back if you could spend 30 minutes with 21-year-old Carlos? What would you tell him? What advice would you give that guy? Gee, I'd try, I'd try to slip him $5,000 sooner. <laughs> Whatever I was, I did that and to do it sooner. Um, but I know that might not even work. Uh, you know, I think sometimes, uh, depending on where you are in life, where your mindset is at that moment, who you're around is really going to help dictate where you're going to be. Um, so the best that someone I think can do and what I would tell that, that 21 year old that was partying hard and doing his thing is, uh, maybe try to refocus them a little bit towards, um, some of the trainings and some of the things that they should be maybe paying attention to that should maybe incorporate into their lives. Maybe try to get them around a couple of folks that are a little thinking a little bit different, uh, try to make them feel a little bit more comfortable with being uncomfortable. Um, because that, at that point, I think that's where we really tear down a lot of the barriers and we move on to bigger and better things, you know, get around people that'll, that'll help you grow and that'll grow with you. Uh, because that, those that cease to, to grow. And I think that's why my marriage is, you know, the best marriage on this planet is that my wife, you know, like, thank God she is someone who grows with me. Uh, I've not surpassed her. I've not gotten to a level where I left her behind and she hasn't done the same with me. We're both right along there growing together. So being around people, getting myself around people that, that, that are growing with me and also helping me grow would be one of the biggest things that I would probably try to push my 21 year old self to do. It sounds to me like you would try to help your 21 year old self have a good mindset shift. You know what I mean? And for you guys that are out there, if you're 21, maybe you need to check yourself. Maybe you need to say, Hey, well, how am I thinking and acting right now? Right. With my time and my money, what am I doing? 
right? If I, if my aspirations are a high level and not everybody has high level aspirations in life, right? Some people are happy just to, you know, let's play cool. Let's just go conservative. I'm, I'm happy if I can just, you know, go every weekend to the bar or whatever, and I'll just put in my 40 hours a week kind of thing, but great advice there. And I think a lot of you guys out there listening can really take heed to that. Yeah. Think you guys should ask yourself that same question. No matter how old you could be 25, ask your 21 year old self if you're 25. Hey, what would I do different? I mean, three years just went by. Maybe now you can actually reflect. I mean, we can all reflect from last year, right? And, and learn some really good lessons. Um, well, shoot, I tell you what, really appreciate you coming out today. Great takeaways. I think a lot of you guys can go out there. Number one, don't beat yourself up. You're normal if you're 21 and you drank beer and spent your money. You're normal, right? It's okay. The thing you want to do is get uncomfortable learning that, listen, this is not how I'm going to do the rest of my life, right? And even though I think a lot of 20-year-olds know they're not going to drink the rest of their life and do that, but learning compounding, learning how to double your money, that takes time. We learned those lessons early and you wouldn't have got in that credit card trouble like 95% of Americans do when you learn about those things. And most of all, let's just keep having these money conversations, guys. It's it's sometimes they can be uncomfortable. A lot of times not. But you're either going to learn or teach somebody something. And in my opinion, that's a very, very valuable thing. So, uh, again, Carlos, thanks for coming out and sharing your story. Thank you, KJ. Very much appreciate it. All right. So, guys, listen, if you're on YouTube watching me, hey, subscribe to that channel if you haven't already. Uh, These come out basically about every Wednesday. And uh, you get to hear Carlos's story over and over again if you need to. And also on the podcast, subscribe to that one, too. And uh, don't forget, visit moneyconversationswithkj.com over there. If you want to learn more, I've got my program. It's available. Get out there and uh, let's learn more. All right, Carlos. Awesome talking to you. Appreciate it. Hey, everybody. Hope you enjoyed that episode. Uh, really enjoyed making all these episodes for you. Remember, we're just having uh, conversations with people's journey with money and the things they did right with it, the things that did wrong with it, and uh, how how did they really come about getting their mindset with money. So uh, every episode is different. We all have a good takeaway from them. So do me a favor. Hit the like button. Smash the like button. And subscribe to my channel because every episode that I do is going to be different as all our journeys are different. So you guys take care and uh, we'll talk to you next week.